If you're looking for a way to help birds or take your support to the next level, this May, I would love for you to join the Birds Canada Birdathon. It's easy to participate in and helps raise thousands of dollars for bird conservation. Learn more at birdscanada.org slash birdathon. Now let's get to the episode. Just drinking. <laughs> just drinking. <laughs> we're we're going to do, Paul, just w- so you know. Water, just, water. Yeah, we're going <laughs> to. <that's like, laughs> You're listening to The Warblers, a Birds Canada podcast. I'm Andrea Gress. Join me and others as we travel on common flight paths with our guests, gaining insights and inspiration from the world of birds and bird conservation in Canada. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of The Warblers podcast. Today we're getting into kind of a fun topic, uh, looking at bird conservation through the lens of art and technology and thinking outside of the box, how to get more people engaged in unique ways. So we've got a really cool guest, uh, Paul Riss, joining us, and he happens to be pretty good friends with our producer, Jody Allaire. You've heard from Jody before on the podcast, and it's always fun to have him on. So Jody's joined for this discussion. Uh, how you doing, Jody? Uh, I'm doing great, Andrea. How are you? Great. Yeah. Awesome to have you. Uh, so Paul's a good friend of yours. He's also a well-known North American birder. Uh, he claims to call himself just a decent birder, but I think he's a bit more than that. Um, he's an active board member of the American Birding Association, and he's appeared in a CBC documentary called Rare Bird Alert, which I just watched the other day, and I gotta say, I recommend it. Yeah, I love that. I love that documentary. I was really excited when it came out, and watching it again recently, it's it's such a fantastic fantastic doc. Everyone should be watching it. Yeah, absolutely. Check it out. We're going to talk about so many cool projects throughout this episode. And of course, everything will be linked in our bio. Um, Paul is also the co-creator of a new birding app called Birder Battle. That's B-R-D-R-B-A-T-L. Extra trendy. I love it. Uh, And it features some of his bird paintings. So everything Paul does in the birding world is to promote it to a wider audience and kind of change the way people think about birding and birders and to overall promote bird conservation. So, Paul, thank you so much for joining us. What have you been up to and have you seen any cool birds lately? Hey, thanks for having me on. It's super it's super exciting to be on this podcast. I'm I listen all the time and uh it, finally I get to be on it. And in fact, yes, I have seen a very cool bird recently. Um, uh, Not too long ago, it was my birthday. I'm not going to say what day it was, but uh, I became 52 years old. And uh, I I saw that Lewis's woodpecker that's on Manitoulin Island. Oh. Yeah. It was, oh my gosh, what a lovely bird. It's such a nice one too. I just went there for a few days because I have a camp on Manitoulin Island um, a quote unquote hunt camp. Um, I'm not really a hunter, but, uh, they call it a hunt camp, you know? And, uh, I also found a Canada Jay up there five minutes from my camp and those haven't been found too much on Manitoulin. So that was pretty darn cool. Sounds yeah. Like that's a, a lovely, great, great combo. Lovely birthday treat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you know, so many people are like, you went there for your birthday. Like with your family? Like, um, nope, just by myself. <laughs> I, st- <laughs> I stayed in a small cabin in the woods for four days. 
completely alone and I loved it. It was great. Oh, yeah. My family knows my family knows what I like, so they were fine with me going. Yeah, Manitoulin's such a nice place. Yeah, jealous. So Yeah, it's lovely. <laughs> it is, yeah. So before we get into all of the really great projects that you're involved in, how did you get into birds? Like, do you have a spark bird story you could share with us? I sure do. It's not a very exciting spark bird in terms of, you know, there's 10,000 amazing species roughly on the planet, and my spark bird is a black-capped chickadee. So but That's so common. Like, Everybody loves black-capped chickadees. Yeah, and they're friendly and they're easy to see, and they'll, they don't have a problem with physical contact with a human being. So that's like, it's, I can see how it could be a popular spark bird for lots of people. When I was younger, I guess I was like around 10 or 11. Um, my dad in the seventies, of course, as so many dads did back then, he worked a lot and he traveled a lot for work and he was at work a lot. And I think, you know, my mom was the main person that raised me while he was, you know, out working all the time. And, she just said to him, you know, you, you got to find something to do with your son because like, he's just, you know, you're, you're not going to have a relationship with him later if you're not careful. And he, he did sort of like the 70s dad thing and went to his buddies and said, hey, this is like what my situation is. Anybody got any ideas? And one person there said, oh, just take him to Cranberry Marsh. We lived in Whippy at the time. Take him to Cranberry Marsh. The chickadees will land on his hand if you bring some bird seed. He'll love it. Kids always love that. And so we went there and I, I can remember that feeling. So it was so striking for me when that bird landed on my hand, you, you know, you can feel its tiny little claws and it was winter. And you're thinking like, how is this thing living outside when I can't be outside for very long? I got to go in and it has no in. I don't know. I did, just the whole experience was just mind-blowing to me as a such a young kid and i like i always tell people that one day a black-capped chickadee landed on my hand and a birding monster was born and that's that's what it is like i you know i spend well it led to me at 52 years old spending four days in the woods by myself with birds only and whiskey (laughs) birds and whiskey (laughs) birds and whiskey so paul i first heard about you like years ago because uh, a friend of mine, burning friend of mine, was telling me about this guy who was doing an Ontario big year and then was tattooing the names of every bird species he finds on his body. Uh, and that, of course, is you and how I got to meet you. Um, can you tell us more about the punk rock big year and what motivated you to do that? Yeah, sure. I, you know, I would, I was a bird watcher and a well, as you know, birders kind of call themselves birders, but you know, people would always say to me, uh, you don't look like a bird watcher. You don't look like a bird watcher, mm. like a birder. And I, and I kept thinking like, well, what exactly does a birder look like? It, it, there is no, there, there isn't one, but if you ask people there is, and it's like a blue haired person in a Tilly hat with goofy binoculars and a field guide in their, in their hip pocket. Right. Which, and it's totally fine. There are those birders and there's nothing wrong with them. But I kind of wanted to see how, see if I could change how people saw birders. So, you know, I read Kingbird Highway and there's a story that Ken talks about specifically in that book where he gets picked up by a person. This was like 1974 when this happened or 73 or something like that. And 
you know, like funny enough, not too far before I got into birding, but like this person was like, where, why are you going to a dump? You know, why do you want to go to a dump? And he said, I'm going to see some crows, right? You know, the, I always get the name of those crows wrong. The Tamalipas crows? Yeah, ta- yeah, Tamalipas crows. He was going there for his big year to see the Tamalipas crows. And this person that was driving him was like, you don't look like a bird watcher. Because if you saw pictures of Ken back then, you know, he was like a high school dropout yeah, yeah. who had long hair. He was like a, he was a hippie, right? Like, I mean, look yeah, like Totally awesome. Yeah. yeah, amazing, right? And so back in 74, people were saying, you don't look like a birder if you didn't fit the stereotype. And I had this idea like around 2010 and the same thing people were saying to me. So I was like, I work in advertising and it's about getting people's attention and trying to do things in a way that makes people not be able to look away. So I just had this idea. I was like, had the whole entire idea it formulated itself on a bike ride to work one day. I was riding on Harvard street because it was the safest street to ride a bike on in Toronto. It had a dedicated bike lane and I had the whole idea there. It was just like, what am I going to do? How am I going to change people's opinions? Oh, I know I'll do a big year. And it's like, I'll cut my hair into a Mohawk. Like, and then I'll tattoo, I'll tattoo all these Latin bird names on my body. And Maybe that'll make people pay attention. And so that's just what I did. (laughs) I just decided that was what I was going to do. And so many people were like, yeah, but what about, you know, Latin names are changing all the time. And I actually emailed Ken Kaufman and said, dude, I got this idea. I wanted to sing. It's inspired Mm. by book. And he was like, do the Latin names. You will be a snapshot of Ontario's ornithological um, outlook in 2011. (laughs) <laughs> yeah there's something right? nice about the time element it's a snapshot yeah yeah exactly like I'm, like the, a bunch of them on my body have changed already like that the latin names have changed but like i am what ontario thought about what science thought about birds in ontario in 2011 and and people paid attention right it it, it garnered yeah. lots of attention too right so i i think it was successful and I think has turned in, turned into so much, but I think maybe before we get into more stuff and, and shout out to Kingbird highway and Ken Kaufman, like that book is like definitely on my short list of most influential books I've read. Uh, I yeah. love that book so much. Um, <laughs> so I, I want to ask you though, just as a follow-up because it's was a punk rock big year. Do you think punk music and birding have a connection in your opinion? Oh, Absolutely. Because, and like the connection, the way I make the, that connection, you know, back then, and I say back then, cause like 2011 was quite a while ago <laughs> now, right? I'm not a young man anymore. I was a young man when I did that. Uh, it's so, all relative, Paul. All relative. <laughs> yeah, totally. Well, my dad's 92 and still kicking. So like very relative. Uh, but like, you know, back then, like punk, being a punk and being a birder, uh, they were both kind of fringe things to do, right? Like people didn't know a lot of birders. People didn't know a lot of punks, you know, it's like, I think punk is still that way. There's like an all ages punk venue in Hamilton that I go to with my son all the time. And it's called the kill room. And like, there's no address. They don't tell the address on any of their social media things. They just say Friday night show bands on at seven 
at the kill room, ask a punk. And that's it. So it's like, you know, it's not as, um, you got to be into it, right? And it's the same with birding. You got to be into it. And, you know, it's just sort of like, if you, if you think about punk music, it's not on the radio. It's not in your face. You got to find it. You got to go look for it. You got to search. You got to dig, right? Same with birds and birding, right? Like you can't just walk out on the street and go, that's a bird watcher. I'm going to ask them what to do. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it, they're just, you don't know necessarily. So I kind of think they're similar in that way, but, um, birding I think is less niche now. It's a little less fringe because I think COVID got a lot of people into it. And mm-hmm. I don't know. I'd like to think a little bit that some of the work that I've been doing that you guys have been doing that, you know, Ken and Kim are doing at the biggest week and all these kinds of festivals and all that. I think it's bringing more people into it. Like when I was a kid, I don't, I didn't read the New York times much back then, but there was no stories about bird watching. There's stories in the New York times about birds all the time. The other day I read one about window strikes, like just two days ago, they had a story about window strikes and it's just like, it seems to just be having a moment and it's yeah. like lasting. This moment is lasting. It's not a flash in the pan. It's so good. It's so good. I, I the changes like as a you know former child birder and now like an, an adult birder. I think things have changed a lot in my time for sure, and and mostly for the better, which is which is great. Um, yeah, Paul. Can, before we move on to another topic, what is the most punk bird in your? What do you think? Most punk bird. <laughs> That's funny. People ask me this question all the time. Really? I know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All the time. Which bird's the most punk? And I'm like, you know, I pick a different one every time. I kind of take the moment and go, okay, what's punk about this species? What's punk about that species? And I just look like, think about like now, let's talk about a ruby-throated hummingbird. Those mm-hmm. tiny little things fly down to Mexico and back twice a year. Like that. They do it all by themselves. They mm-hmm. lean on, on nothing but themselves. It's so DIY. I'm like, that's kind of as punk as it gets, I, I think, you know? And then some people will be like, well, what's, you know, in another situation, someone will ask me that question and I'll say, well, I don't know, maybe like check out a um, red-breasted merganser. It's got a mohawk. Yeah, totally. <laughs> You know, so it's like you can look at it that way or you can look at it in like the ruby-throated hummingbird thing. It's like small but mighty <laughs> yeah yeah for sure i think just appearance wise i've always thought like breeding plumage eared grebe is like a pretty intense it's a pretty metal bird i think um, definitely and uh and hey you know belted kingfisher right like oh, yeah. it's it's hard to get more hardcore also aba bird of the year uh which you had some involvement and we'll talk about that a little bit later but mm-hmm. i'm just gonna take a moment though to plug the piping plovers because they are so feisty like, yeah. You don't mess with a piping plover. They're pretty punk. totally, totally. <laughs> Those guys are so punk. Like I, I mean, they kind they of look sweet, but but <laughs> exactly. And uh, yeah, and I just think about them and how they were gone for so long from the Great Lakes, and now they're back, and they're just like we're helping them, but they're doing the hard work. Absolutely love it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Paul, um, beyond punk, you're also a really good artist. Uh, like, I actually can think of multiple things in my home that has your art on it, you know, from some T-shirts to some coffee packaging. Uh, when did you get the idea to start creating unconventional bird art? Honestly, for first, I should say thank you 
it's nice of you to say that uh, <laughs> about my work. Um, you know, artists just do what they do, and you know, people like it or they don't. It's just that simple, I think, sometimes. Uh, but honestly, that kind of came out of the whole punk thing, too. Like, it's not as separated. Because when I was younger, I was wearing metal and punk T-shirts, like with bands on it, right? So that was more my style, right? Like, I'm actually wearing a Misfits hoodie right now. That's just, that was my style. I just liked the look of those things, like the, you know, two color printing, screen printing, all that kind of stuff. It just felt like cool. And the bird shirts that I was seeing were usually not awesome. They were mostly <laughs> what <laughs> they were, they were not yes. my style. Anyways, they were like an, an awesome painting that was never created to be put on a shirt. And so the reproduction was never that great. So it's like a beautiful painting, poorly executed on a shirt. They just, mm -hmm. I don't know. I didn't think they were cool. You mm -hmm. know what I was looking for, for cool. So I just started making them for myself. Like I was doing like one-off things and people out there were going, where'd you get that? Where did you get that? I'm like, well, I made it. Like, can I get one? Would you make me one? <laughs> so I started doing one-offs for a few different, and then it, I was like, there's gotta be a better way to do this. So I started PRBY art so that I could just get them out to more people. And, and, you know, I don't make a lot of money doing that stuff. I just do it because I like doing it and because it makes other people happy and maybe more interested in birding. And like, if you wear a shirt that has a banding code on it and um, and a cool picture of a bird, people ask. Right? And then it gives me a chance to talk about bird watching. Mm -hmm. And I bet <laughs> it builds on the sense of community too, because you're going to get people who are in the know, right? And, and that shirt will catch their eye. Yeah, exactly. Right. So it, like I'll be in a place, I was actually, I was in a grocery store. I was in like a Loblaws or something and I was just checking out. My, with my food, right? I was paying for my stuff. And the person that was the young man that was working behind the counter was like, are you a birder? And I said, <laughs> I am. Are you a birder? And he said, I am. And I love your <laughs> shirt. <laughs> and that turned awesome. out, I, I turned out, I think that moment was Ezra, the young man who just, he just did a big year last year. Um, mm. But he's a Hamilton birder you know, local to me. And, uh, yeah, like I'd never known him before, but that's how we met because he saw my shirt and he asked me the question and then we talked and then I go, Oh, cool. You're a young birder in the neighborhood. That's awesome. And yeah. So I've birded with him on and off when we see each other in the field and some of his friends as well. And it was just like, it started the conversation. It was mm -hmm. cool. <laughs> so Paul, you've made, you know, uh, you know, birding designs for shirts and all sorts of things for years, but you've also done them in conjunction with some, you know, charitable organizations like the American birding association. I know you do their bird of the year t-shirts and I have many of them. Uh, you also have done and have been uh, birds Canada's birdathon shirt designer for, for several years. Uh, I'm actually wearing the, the thick build long spur shirt today, uh, which mm -hmm. I love, love that shirt. Mm -hmm. Um, and one of the things that you do that I think is really amazing is that you regularly donate designs to conservation projects to help them, to help them fundraise. And, and I'll pull out one example, uh, the Kauai Forest Bird Recovery Project, which was 
specifically their Birds Not Rats campaign. I know you donated artwork, and it's one of my favorite hoodies that I that I own. Um, <laughs> the design for that, and uh, and it makes a big difference. And that campaign was actually very successful at raising money to buy. Um, uh, good nature traps to help reduce rat predation on, on Puaiohi around Kauai. Uh, so, you know, art that's really, really made an impact on, on a conservation project. So when did you get the idea of start, of, to start sharing your artistic talents to support conservation? Yeah. I, you know, I started getting a little bit like I'm using air quotes here known in the wider birding community for my bird art and the fact that it was like, it was quite different from most of the stuff that was, that was sort of seen in the past. And it was not my main source of income. As I said, I worked in advertising as a art director, creative director. And so I was making a little bit of extra money with it. And then I just wanted to see, Oh, you know, I could just be giving back a little bit because people are, people were buying things that I made and putting money into my pocket. Most of that money went to buying records uh, until I was like, Somebody, a, a birder out in Seattle, I think was the one who reached out to me and said, I know somebody that's working on this project in Hawaii. It's this campaign for birds, not rats. And I'm asking you if you'll make a shirt for them. I don't know how much of a budget they have. And I was like, huh, okay. So I was like, I had just had twins. That's really expensive. I got to tell you, it's like, you know, we went from double income, no kids to we made, we made the, my wife and I made the decision. My wife, Rachel, and I made the decision that, um, she wanted to stay home and raise the kids. So I was like, okay, cool. Um, so I was, we were pretty strapped <laughs> money wise back then. And so I couldn't donate money to things, but I could donate my skill because I knew that I could turn that into cash, but I didn't necessarily, I was doing okay financially, so I didn't need the cash. So what if I just gave it to people? <laughs> so then it just started doing that stuff. And that was the, I think that was like one of the first ones I ever did was the Kauai uh, Birds Not Rats campaign. And I, it was, it was so fulfilling. And I have to say the bird that's on that shirt, uh, my wife drew that bird, not me. Cause Rachel does a lot of this too. And if you look back at some of the other um, Birdathon shirts that I've done for Birds Canada, the the uh, barred owl that was also one of my wife's drawings. So we kind of started, owl. yeah, like it's, I love that picture too. We started like doing this stuff together, which was, you know, fulfilling from a creative standpoint for both of us, and also we knew we were raising money for a good cause, so we felt good about that too. Um, I think some of those bigger ones, like you say, it was like successful. I don't actually know how much money it made them, but I think it made them a bunch. And I do know that the bird of the year shirts for ABA. And I do know that the, like the ones that I do for the biggest week, um, in American birding, I like biggest week sells a lot of those shirts. And I kind of have an idea of what they cost to make. I kind of have an idea of what, well, I know what they charge for them. So I kind of have an idea of how many they sold. So it's like, it's a, it's a significant contribution. And from my perspective, all it takes is me doing what I really like and just giving it away. Mm -hmm. And not to mention, like we're living in a really visual society right now. Social media is all about like the best images 
So even if someone doesn't buy a shirt, they might see it promoted online and learn about the project, right? So it just yep. leads to more awareness too. Yeah. And the other good thing about that is, uh, you know, my advertising agency does lots of stuff for nonprofits and I do as well just on my, my personal artwork. But like that money is unrestricted. And if you work in the nonprofit world, that that's an important word, unrestricted. So some donations, they come with um, caveats, right? It could only be used for this or it could only do that. But unrestricted funds, they can be used however the organization deems the most important way to use them. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah, that's, yeah. That's, that's something that I really like is that the donations that I'm making through that, it's not tying. There's no, there's no restrictions. They could just do whatever they think is most important for the organization. Mm-hmm. And that's powerful. It is. I think the, the conversation starter, I think, I think that's actually a really important element to this. Uh, I, I've had so many conversations when I wear, you know, well, several of your shirts, but the, the birds, not rats one, it's like, you know, black hoodie, you know, covered in, in rat skulls, uh, on the front and, um, and, and one tiny Akikiki in the middle. And, uh, so many people ask about what is going on and what does that even mean? And then I explain to them. <laughs> The, the story and then they're like oh like wow that's actually this sounds like a really important thing that needs more attention you know it's it's that com- the conversation starter is sort of the shock value of the shirt um i don't know it even maybe more valuable than the money in some cases you never know what that can turn into gotta yeah. say like very punk design too <laughs> <A bunch laughs> of skulls. Yeah, right. uh, i mean i was trying to push it with them like i was really trying to push it and I had other ideas for that too. I gave them a few options, but uh, I was like, do this one because this is the one that people are just what you said, Jody. Like for me, it's like, if I'm wearing that thing, people will be like, what is that? Mm. And that, that question, what is that you're wearing? That question can lead to support for the organization, whether it be financial or just um, knowing about the issue, you know, I think that's the way to, that's, it's really important. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Paul, changing subjects just a little bit here. It sounds like you've made a real personal challenge throughout your life out of changing the way people view birders and birding. Why is that so important to you? Well, I got to say, I'm I'm flattered that you say that because it's the only reason I ever did this stuff. Like just change the way people think about birding and birders. You know, and really in 2011, I was a decade younger. So I felt like I could bring younger people into it because I myself was sort of young. Uh, I don't know if I was, I wasn't young, young. I wasn't like cool to high school kids, but, but I kind of could be, you know what I mean? The like the punk ethos, the mohawk, those kinds of things made them look at me and say, well, that guy's not like my parents. And you know, not trying to diss other people's parents. I'm just saying <laughs> that sometimes uh, it it takes a person who's not a parent to get through to somebody, right? Mm-hmm. And there's a an actor, a famous uh, actor birder by the name of Lily Taylor. I'm I'm sure you guys know her. You know, she was on Six Feet Under. She was in Mystic Pizza. She's like a really well known actress. Um, I met her in Ohio at the biggest week one time and we birded a bunch together. Like year after year, we try and meet there and 
and bird together. And when she was shooting a show on BC, I was out there doing, I was out there working, she was out there do, working and we went birding, you know, a couple of times. And she used to say birding is the gateway drug to the rest of nature. Ooh, and yeah, I, yeah, it was like such a powerful sentence. It's like slightly annoying that I didn't think of it myself as a writer, <laughs> uh, but it's like so true. And I wanted people to get hooked on birds because you protect what you love. I mean, we, we, you hear this a lot in our community. Love the birds. You're going to protect what you love. And Birds Canada, more than most, you guys know birds need to be protected. They need protection. So if we can get people to care, caring equals protection. And not only that, it's good for the birds, but it's good for people. And, you know, the more and more we're hearing these scientific stories about how uh, having 10 different species of birds come to your bird feeder in your backyard and you experience them can be more satisfying than a pay bump at work, like pay raise. <laughs> like, I think that stuff is is like really powerful. And mm -hmm. I just think that's like, it's just so important for people to like protect them. And if you love, ah, you know, I just, I feel like I'm going in circles, but you get what I mean. It's oh, like yeah. that relationship with people and birds is good for both of us. Mm -hmm. So getting the more, the more people who are interested in birding and don't see it as just some, you know, their, their grandfather's uh, hobby yep. gets more people involved, more people hooked, more people caring about nature beyond birds, just caring about nature in general. Mm -hmm. And, and your art is kind of a way of just pulling it all together, bringing people into it. Um, I was going to say, you know, like historically art and technology are behavior changers like they drive behavioral change right mm -hmm. and you know if we want to bring more people into birding we can do it i mean i've shown that we can do it through art and technology some birders might not like and i've, I've openly heard people say you know i don't like it when people use merlin to just you know tell me what they saw you know you upload a semi-crappy picture and it just tells you what it might be or you you know with the new sound id thing you might be able to know what's around you without even looking. Mm -hmm. But I always jump down those people's throats and say, listen, what, like, why do you care? This mm -hmm. person loves interacting with birds. The, like that's the, for me, that's the full stop. As long as it's positive for the people and the birds, I don't care that they'll never be able to um, learn the chip calls of the different sparrows that we see throughout the migration season. Like for some people, that's amazing. That's great. But for someone who doesn't care about that, they're, they're not any worse a birder. I think, again, I know we, you know, we talked about Ken Kaufman earlier, but he always has such a great way of <laughs> like, he's a really good writer <laughs> and thinker and he brings things in and he says like, you know, if you're interested in birds, then you're a good birder. That's all it takes. But that's, that, that's all it takes. Mm -hmm. And I think that's so amazing. You know, and there's like the, um, you know, there's like the people that think there might be, um, there might be still some woodpeckers down in Louisiana that are ivory billed. And there's people that are saying, ah, come on, no way. But when you look at that, you, like when Ken looked at that, he was like, I don't know whether they're down there. I can't say for sure. 
Um, maybe not, but what I, what he, what he said was, I like that somebody believes because if nobody believed, then there'd be no chance. Mm -hmm. I just thought that was like, he just ties things up. He's such a good writer. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Oh, but there's so much we could, we could dive into off of that, <laughs> off that topic. I, <laughs> I, I will say, I, I really wish when I was growing up and learning my birds and trying to learn my bird sounds and there was really not much out there that was great and easy to access. I sure wish I had Merlin bird ID and, and the sound and the sound ID feature when I was a kid, uh, that would have been, <laughs> that would have saved yeah. so much time. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, well, just, uh, and I love that people use them. I love it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Me too. Even just walking, like even if I'm not birding, I'm just going out for a walk. Sometimes I'll turn it on. And I'll just like glance at it every once in a while and go, yeah, I heard that one. Cool. Yeah. I heard that one. Cool. Yeah. Oh, wait a minute. I did not pick up on that. And then sometimes much to my wife's chagrin, she's not a birder. She likes birds and paints them all the time, but she's not a birder by any stretch. And so I'll be like, uh, you can carry on, but I need to go back a little bit and I need to mm. look for something. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's just like, yes. <laughs> I missed that. Oh my God. I can't believe I missed that. You know? And it's, so it's not bad. It's just another tool. That's all it is. Yeah. Paul, uh, let's talk about the documentary, the two, the 2021 documentary rare bird alert. Um, this was on, on CBC. Uh, yeah. it was, and you can still, you can still watch it online, which is great. Um, it's, it's, I always find it super cool to have, uh, you know, a documentary or film like the big year, like about your thing, right? Like to get to watch something on primetime TV slot about your, about birding, about your thing is, I think it's, is still really cool. Um, and it, I think it was extra special because it, you were in it and, and it, and it was really centered around you and the people, uh, that you met in the stories that, that were brought up. And I think there's all sorts of things I loved about the documentary. Um, and I think one of the big ones is that just showing such a great diversity of birders from all different back, backgrounds and, and sort of breaking the stereotypes down even further, right. Uh, of, of what it means to be a birder. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about how that project uh, came about and how do you feel about rare bird alert now that it's been a couple of years? Um, I'll answer the first question or the last question first. I feel like I wish I could just do that all the time. Mm. I, I had so much fun. It was the most fun I think I've, had it looked like you were having fun for sure <laughs> yeah i mean what somebody was you know they're like you don't get like with the when cbc makes a documentary you don't like i was not paid for that i just did it um and i was working the whole time <laughs> so that was a little bit of a challenge here and there um i had been approached several times by different production companies about doing a bird watching tv show because the way those production companies work, they go, what's neat? What's interesting? What's weird? What's this? What's And birding always comes up because of that study that talks about how many birders there are in America. It's like the number is astronomically high. Uh, you know, everybody from just looking out their backyard feeders to people that travel the world, they'd all watch it. So that like everybody thought there was a, there was a, uh, a niche that could be uh, exploited. I don't mean that in a negative way. Um, but I will say that many of them, you know, in my initial 
conversations and back then it was Skype, <laughs> my initial Skypes with people, I'd get like a feeling that they were poking fun or that they're enforcing stereotypes. And they were, you know, there's one group that wanted me to be something that I'm not. And I was just, I, so I just turned them all down. I was like, no, nah, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. That's just going to make us look like kooks. I'm not doing it. It's a too important of a community to me to throw them under the bus to get a TV show, which is, you know, I guess people like having a TV show. Um, until I met Rick Laguerre, who is the producer um, for this for this documentary, Rare Bird Alert. I could tell right away through the questions he was asking and things. I was like, you're a birder, right? And he said, well, I don't think I'm a birder, but I like birds. And I, I'm like, then you're a birder. So you're a birder. And that's why you were doing this. And I feel like you guys want to do the right thing by birding. And so I was down with it and I was like, okay, let's, let's, let's do this. And the way I thought about it was, you know, I had these conversations with my wife and like, what if they want me to do things that are bad for birding? What if they want me to do this or that or the other thing? And she was like, hon, you're the one who's in control on this situation because you're in front of the camera. They're behind it. They can ask you whatever you want, but you will only deliver what you feel is right. So that made me say, okay, for sure, I got to do this. And also, I was going to meet a bunch of new cool people that were birders, some of them young, some of them not so young. And we were going to get to travel across the country and even go into Cape May and down to Florida. And, you know, I, you just can't turn something like that down. So some people they found, like Melissa at West, um, they found her. I didn't know her before, but her and I are friends now. And she's a lovely, lovely person. Uh, you know, I can't wait to get out west again to see her uh, and go birding with her. But she does so much. And Christina Bale, who last year's Bird of the Year, um, she did the burrowing owl work. And her artwork is like, like makes mine look super tame. The way she approaches it, it's just craziness. But beautifully done. Like, she's just got this way about her. And... You know, birding kind of like she found the person. She found her person through birding and she found her career through birding. And I, I think that stuff is fantastic. She was also in the dock and yeah, she's great. Yeah. I mean, so to just summarize for folks, go and watch it. Rare Bird Alert. We'll have links in the bio. It's a really cool insight into what birders can look like. Uh, across North America and you, you get to kind of experience it. I, I felt like I was going on a road trip with you and meeting a bunch of cool people and seeing some cool birds and some cool habitats. And um, it's just, it's a lot of fun. It's a good watch. Awesome. So um, I want to ask you about another project because <laughs> you're involved <laughs> in so many different things. Uh, the birding app called Birder Battle. Tell us all about it. Yeah. So this one, I mean, this, there's lots to tell you about this. Um, but I do have to say birder battle, like, um, I named it together with my partner, Dustin, who is a birder from Ontario, but the app itself, like what it is, was totally his idea. Um, it's funny that the story of how it came to be is, uh, 
I was just painting birds. Like I'd gotten back into it again. I was just painting bird portraits and bird pictures just because I was looking to get back into it again. I used to do it when I was younger and I stopped to build my career and it got more about advertising than about painting birds and all that stuff. And I just was like my wife, I bought my wife an iPad for Christmas one year, an iPad pro and a pencil and it changed the way she worked. And she was like, dude, you got to get one of these things. And I'm like, eh, so expensive. (laughs) She's like, yeah, but you could paint again and you wouldn't have to like mess up the house. And like, you know, painting is like, if you're painting, painting, Mm -hmm. it's a whole thing. You need a whole room. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I was like, oh, okay, I'll get one. And I started doing these paintings. And then this random guy, Dustin, whom I'd never met before, he reached out on Instagram and said, do you want to help with this idea that I have? And I loved it straight away. Like the idea when he said what the app does, I was like, this is kind of a perfect game because you cannot play without being out in the field and having a meaningful interaction with birds. And for me, that was like tech and nature. Like one of the headlines I wrote about it in the beginning of the advertising campaign was like, you know, technology and nature's love child is this <laughs> app because you're just like, you're using tech, but you're not doom scrolling. You're not at home. You're not, you're out, you know, you're walking mm-hmm. around doing stuff. And then I kind of found out from him what my contribution would be, which was paint all the birds in the ABA area. And I stupidly said, yes. Oh, I can. Yeah, sure. I'd love to do it. <laughs> not even knowing if I could do it. How many birds are we talking about here? Uh, currently we're up to like, I think 400 or something like that, four or five, four, 425 or something like that. Cause we're expanding into the States now. And how, and how long does it take you to do a uh, one bird painting? Like hour and a half to two hours. And there's like, I've done like over 400. It's a lot of time, but I just started like when I made the commitment, I, I just had to do it right? Like I, there was no backing out. Mm-hmm. This guy was depending on me. So I just did it. And then I, because I'm a designer, I designed the brand too, like the logo, the BB logo and the, all that stuff. And originally it was going to be called Birder Bingo. And then I, you know, that like, cause the gameplay was a little more like bingo. And then mm. we changed it as we were working and talking. So then we were like, Oh, it's kind of like a birder battle. And I was like, Oh dude, we can make those words with two bending codes, BRDR and BATL. Yeah. <laughs> so that's perfect. It's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. It's like everything just kind of like fell together. Right. And in terms of how it works, it is such a simple idea. His idea was so simple. It was like you create account, an account and a username. Then you select, you launch the app, you log in, you select your game mode and then it, your location of where you're going to be playing. Cause you know, you can play it here or you could play it in Vancouver or you could play it in Saskatchewan or wherever you happen to be East coast, wherever. Um, and it just builds a small grid of nine birds for you to go and find. And you can like, you know, you can choose like when I say a, a mode, it's like you can do a big day mode, which drops 50 birds for you to find, <laughs> or you can do a battle mode, like a bird themed battle mode, where it drops nine birds for you to find. So it was just fun. We started going, what are the battle modes? And like, you know, we're like backyard buddies. Those are like simpler birds to find, right? Like it's a chickadee, it's a cardinal, it's stuff that's going to hit your feeders, right? So you could play it that way. 
Um, you, so that was like all of a sudden I could play while I'm at work and I'm sitting in my office right now looking out at my feeders and there's a there's a uh, house finch on it. So like that's one of those feeder, it's one of those backyard buddies, right? So then there's another one called Duck Duck Goose, which is great for the winter in Hamilton because, man, we got good ducks around here. Um, we got good waterfowl around here. Um, so we started going, oh, you could build, and in the spring we're doing something with the biggest week, and it's going to be, of course, all about warblers and migrants. Um, so you kind of just pick your thing, and it says go find these birds. So I also had some people reach out and say, how dare you make it all about competition? And I'm like, yeah, okay, fair. It's about competition, but you don't have to compete with somebody. You can compete against – you can just challenge yourself. You can start a game, not invite a friend, and still play. And it says, go find these birds, which to me was like all of a sudden I'm scouring the lake shores to find a black duck, an American black duck. Mm-hmm. Or I'm like going specifically to find a black-capped chickadee. Like as an experienced birder, when was the last time you went specifically to find a black duck? Like never. So I'm birding in a way that I didn't before, right? Normally those birds, you kind of like, you see them sometimes even just out of the corner of your eye or your peripheral vision and you go, oh, there's a black duck there and you e-bird it. Um, But I'm like going to look for these common species. So it kind of tweaked the way I birded sometimes. And then, you know, as a new birder, you know, you hear people going like, I'm interested in birds, but how do I get started? How do I bird watch? Like I'm interested in it, but I don't know what I'm doing. So with this app, it'll tell you what to go find. Yeah. Right. And it kind of tells you where to go find it too, because of the game mode you chose. And it's just, I think a way for new birders to get into it as well. So it's, it's not just for hardcore birders. It can be for, you know, less experienced ones too, because all of a sudden I'm like, I need to, I need to, God, I can't find a blue jay. This is driving me insane. I haven't seen a blue jay in five days. What yeah. is going on? <laughs> right. And you don't think about the fact that you don't see a blue jay for five days as an experienced birder very often. I, so, I like I like the idea that it gives you <clears throat> an excuse to just go out and and look for stuff, right? It's like it it's it's sort of, in a way sort of like bird bingo, right? It's sort of you know yeah. here's your here's your list and and it's and if you need that bit of motivation to get out and and go around your local patch to look for white breasted nuthatch or hairy woodpecker, then. Uh, that's the way to do it. I really like that it is something that uh, inexperienced or beginner birders can can use, and they and it is a it's a great tool to help beginner birders uh, start to learn their birds and and get outside and find things. I I like that it doesn't have to be a competition amongst you know between birders and birders, right? Uh, I think yeah. it's really important that it is also something that beginner birders can use and embrace and have fun with. And I think that's really, that's to me, that's kind of the best part. Yeah. I, you know what? I, I totally agree with you. That's how I use it too. But there is something like <laughs> my daughter is, um, you saw her in the documentary. She's bird interested, but I wouldn't call her a birder per se. Like she'll sometimes go with me, but you know, when I was like, Hey, I'm going to go up to the Island and see this really rare woodpecker. Do you want to go stay in the Island with me for four days? No, I dad, I'm going out with my friends tomorrow. (laughs) Right. It's Mm. like, I get it. She's 15 and has that, you know, that's more important right now. Who knows? Maybe she'll come back to birding. I hope so. Um, but if not, it's not the end of the world. 
um, yeah, but like, I, she'll we have so much fun because she'll play birder battle with me because she's got a friend at school whose father is a professor and is bird interested. He's a backyard birder. He's even went he's he went to Hawaii to see all the birds there um, before, and so she, when she goes to his house. He lives in a, I live right downtown Hamilton. So like it doesn't get too exciting except during migration on what I see in my backyard. It's not that exciting. Um, but their house is in a place that's got more green space around it and they get better birds than I do. So when she goes over there, I'll, it's, it's inevitable that I'm going to get a battle request from Georgia and she kicks my butt every time because their feeders <laughs> are better. And I'm like, so the one time though it, it served up a purple finch and I was like, she ain't getting that. And I know where I can go get one in Hamilton very easily. I know exactly where they always are. <laughs> so that one time I was able to win, but like, I'll get a text message from her saying you're going down bird, man. And then like, we'll like smack talk each other back and forth in text messages. It's so much fun. Like, sure. It's comp <laughs> it's competitive, but like, it's just fun. The stakes couldn't be lower. Right, you could absolutely cheat because I, I don't know that you didn't see it, but you know, birding is that it's based on um, you know people being honest. <laughs> so mm -hmm. we felt like you know Dustin and I felt like we don't need to prove it. We don't need to have people prove it. It's just for fun. That's all we're doing. We just want to make it fun for anyone. And if you're interested, I can give you a hint on a couple of features that are coming. Oh, yes, please. Go on. <laughs> yeah. So we have one that's like a lot of people have gotten to us and said, I want to choose the birds because when I, when I challenge my friend to a birder battle, I want it to be difficult. I want us both to struggle. I you know, you get to the hardcores and they want to do that. So one of the things we're going to be making is that you'll be able to select the birds for your battle. So you can set it up so it's real tough for you and your friends to, to be the winner, right? Um, so that's one of the new modes that we're thinking about including. And then another one is all about, um, you know, like when I'm sitting in the doctor's office, not in the office, but in the waiting room, or I'm in a lineup somewhere, and, you know, you inevitably pull your phone out and you start what everyone calls doom scrolling, right? Well, you launch your social media of choice and you just turn into a zombie. And I like, like Dustin was like, is there a way we can deal with that? Like, can we get people to give people something more fun and um, somewhat like less waste of time, you know, something more meaningful in those moments. And so we're considering a thing where, a bird picture will pop up and there'll be four banding codes to choose from. And then you got to figure out which one's the right one. And there's no competition there. It's just you like sharpening your skills, right? When I pick up my kids from school and I arrive 15 minutes early, I'm going to band code. I'm going to band code battle myself for 15 minutes and just get better. Do you think you <laughs> would like set a timer? Like, so you could do a minute. And just see how many correct ones you could get in a minute and then try to beat your record. Exactly. You're getting nice. it. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. that's how like things it. are coming along. <laughs> there'll be a timer, there'll be like a little thing, and then you and then because then it's like in the tech, it's like data, right? So I can 
I can say, you had a streak. Wow, that was mm-hmm. a streak, right? You can try and beat your streak. And, you know, it's compete against yourself and it's learning and it's just fun. That You know, that's that's the thing, Dustin. I just want to make birding fun for more people. Mm-hmm. That's all. Yeah, I like it. I love it. Um, I'm really excited that this is a new app that people can play with. And I'm excited to see where it grows. It sounds like there's lots of cool features coming down the pipeline. Yeah, we got lots of ideas, but, you know, we only got so much finances. So we got to, like, pick and choose what we want to make. And we only have so much time to paint birds. That's on me. (laughs) But, um, yeah, so we got lots of ideas, but, you know, we got to have to do it a little bit at a time. Mm -hmm. Um, But I've I've had people reach out from Malaysia, and I've had people reach out from India and from South America. And they're like, when are we getting bird or battle? Oh, Oh, my God. Am I going to have to paint 10,000 birds, you guys? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm down for it. If only I could turn it into a full-time job. Yeah, I mean, you know, apps can be pretty valuable. You get the right person interested. That, that could be a pretty cool thing to see just spiral into something huge. Yeah, I, I, I hope so. It would be so much fun if someday uh, down the road I can go on a work trip to South Africa to do a shoot and people charge challenge me to a birder battle on my day off. Yeah. How cool, how cool would that be? Oh, it's like yeah. if on my tombstone, it says here lies Paul Riss, punk birder, father, husband, creator, co-creator of birder battle. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Uh, tombstone. Absolutely. I love it. Uh, on the topic of your death, let's just switch it up here. <laughs> are you are you feeling optimistic about the future of uh, birding and, and conservation in Canada? You know, I, I am because I don't think you can feel any other way about it. So, you know, uh, there's a lot of depressing stuff in the news. Um, and I think you got to remain positive about the environment. Now, I read a really interesting story. Is like three days ago, um, I was at the gym and I was thinking, uh, I was just reading New York Times and there's a story about, you know how like all these tech companies are laying off slash firing, you know, tens, 20,000 people at a go. Like these are really smart people that are losing their jobs. Some really smart people are going to be migrating from that world into working for these climate change startups and how do we fight the biggest problem on earth? And it's about to get an influx of super smart people thinking about it. So how can you not feel good about that? (laughs) You know, I think that's awesome. There's lots of good stories out there like that. And it keeps me hopeful for not only the environment and birds, but also for humans. Cause let's face it. If turtle Island wants us gone, it's going to get rid of us. Mm -hmm. But you know, in, in that case, we have no choice but to respect it. And saving birds means saving the environment and biodiversity. And that means saving the earth. And it's just like you can't have one without the other. Yeah. And so just like going back to how birding used to be this counterculture kind of punk thing. And in recent years, it's picked up so much popularity and so many more people are into it in a big way and it's accessible through art, through technology, through new games. Uh, we're, we're maybe kind of hitting some momentum for some big positive change for our environment as, as a result of birds. It's kind of cool. 
Yeah, I think it's awesome. So folks, you can see Paul's work in action by visiting the American Birding Association website. That's aba.org. You can check out his online store, PRBY Apparel on Redbubble. You can download the Birder Battle app, of course. Uh, And of course, you can go check out that CBC documentary, Rare Bird Alert, that we mentioned. All of the links in the show notes. Thank you so much, Paul. This has been a ton of fun. It's been a real honor being on your show. Thank you. Thanks for being here, Paul. The Warblers is a podcast of Birds Canada. Our goal is to bring you the information you need to discover, enjoy, and protect birds. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, leave a review, and share this podcast with everyone you know. Birds Canada relies on the support of donors like you. Visit birdscanada.org slash warblerspodcast to make a donation today. The Warblers is produced by Jody Allaire, Ruth Friendship Keller, Kate Dogleash, Chris Koo, and Andrea Gress, with music by Jose Mora and art by Alex Nichol. Until next time, keep birding.